Smart Detailing has clients all over North America. The pandemic certainly interrupted one of Ryan's favorite work-related activities, traveling to visit our clients and talking about their businesses. And while the pandemic is certainly not over, enough had changed that he felt comfortable testing the travel waters again. So he recently returned from a trip to Southern California, and we're anxious to hear what he learned. That's what's up next. So, yeah, so after a very long hiatus, Ryan, you got to go and visit some bicycle retailers. I know that's something that's really important to you, so I'd love to hear how it went. Well, all in all, it was spectacular. I mean, the... uh, I don't know. I, I love touring shops and getting to know the people because every shop is like a reflection of the owner typically. And so you can get to know somebody at a trade show or on a meeting, but until you walk into their space and not just the showroom, like the showroom is kind of like, it's, it's the point of entry. But when you go into the back room, when you see, when you see the service area, the storage, receiving, and most importantly, the bike shop owner's office, like it's just it gets, lets you know the person so much better. And so I made a lot of like new connections with people that I had gotten to know a little in the past, but was able to understand them better. And then it's also nice. I mean, this industry, you build friendships. And so to be able to go and visit some kind of old friends and see how they're doing, that felt really good too. Yeah. I think it was through, I got to do a couple of retailer trips with you, Ryan, in the past pre COVID. And, um, I got to learn that not every bike shop owner or manager works out of a closet. That was... Not everyone. Most, but not everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, I've joked that eventually I'll do a picture book of bike shop owner offices. I try to take them frequently and uh, they're just such like chaotic command centers and I love it. Yeah. We get to see that sometimes since we do so many of these type of video calls, but you never, you never get to really see What's there? Yeah. That's where the good stuff is. The stuff that's off camera. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. framed up. Okay. But there's a, 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 yeah. a mess, a mess, a dog, a couch in front of me. Yeah. Yeah. But it was so, also, it, it was good to like, see like in reality, cause you know, I, you know, I'm on, I, I see the stats, you know, in, in data with their, with the, with the, both our data and then the people for bikes <laughs> stats committee work. Um, and you know, I talked to people, but it, when like going on to the showrooms and seeing still how busy the owners are and like uh, how stressed they are about lack of staff and then just bikes everywhere. But like, you know, with a little bit of a practiced eye, you see that, you know, it's repair bikes on the stands uh, or on, on the racks to make the showroom look more full um, and uh, seeing box bikes everywhere as they're trying to get them done. Like it, I was really able to better appreciate it's not just that the racks are empty. It's that like just inventory of some type is everywhere and it's just really hard to stay on top of it. Um, So it gave me a totally different perspective on what our customers are going through. How did they feel or how did you feel they felt in general? You know, what's their general mental state of, not just the industry, but their own businesses or their, their town or their customer base. Nobody was freaking out. And so that was good because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there was certainly a lot of that last year. Um, I'd say that generally people are super optimistic. I mean, they, 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 I mean, everybody had a sense that like what, what has passed over the last whatever 14, 16 months now 
you, you know, that was maybe a once in a generation thing. And, and that's that just massive surge isn't going to happen again, but just a lot of optimism about the, you know, the, the, the bikes that are still selling, um, starting to be able to get hands on inventory, feeling like a lot of these people who join cycling are going to be long-term customers. So a lot of really good optimism there. Um, and yet kind of, I think lingering in the backs of their minds are just kind of this knowledge that, um, that things are changing in the bike industry. And so things like, um, you know, uh, brand or suppliers purchasing stores that came up an awful lot. And there's a lot of uncertainty around that. Um, a lot of uncertainty around direct consumer business. And also with, you know, some other, with, with some shops going out of business, not knowing like, does that present an opportunity for us? Is it, is it a bad mm-hmm. omen? So just some uncertainty still. Yeah. But generally you thought less on fire than a year ago. Yeah. But That's doesn't that hear. doesn't mean they're any less busy. Like sure. it, it was very rare that I just had somebody's undivided attention. Like mm-hmm. in, in particular with one, with one retailer, I, I sat at the re- receiving desk with him and helped him manage paperwork while we had our meeting. Uh, <laughs> so like everybody's super busy. Yeah. I'm not good at paperwork, by the way, just in case you were wondering. We, we knew that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not getting hired and receiving anytime soon. <laughs> luckily, luckily, we have bigger fish for you to fry. Yeah. You, you made a, a mention of e-bikes. And Susie yeah. and I were talking before we started that um, you won't think about it a lot, but we see a lot of the planning for marketing. We talk with retailers a lot about the inventory coming in. We certainly help sell a lot of inventory, but then we kind of go back and do that again. It was interesting to hear your comments on e-bikes everywhere. Can you mm-hmm. tell us about that and, and how prevalent it really was? Yeah. And so I like admittedly, and so, so everybody's aware, like what I, I went from, uh, the south end of San Diego, all the way up to Pasadena, and and visited a lot of shops up and down the the beach, and then kind of got inland as well. So it's you know it's definitely just a single market of Southern California, but I think typically that market you know is a leader in terms of trend setting. And so in Boulder, I certainly have seen more e bikes, and like you see the rad power bikes around, or you see you know, you get passed on the bike path by, by somebody on like a step through bike, but going there, it was, a, it was a very different scenario. Like just mm-hmm. so many young people riding the bikes and like in packs, like it, it makes me want, you know, I, I didn't live through like the stingray era. Uh, but that's kind of what it looked like is those kind of romanticized photos of kids riding down the street and surfboards, skateboards, guitars. Like it was, you know, it just feels like this next generation of riders, like they, they're, they're on two wheels. A lot of them were pedaling, but a lot of them were just using the throttle, but it was just like bikes as freedom and utility. And it was really cool. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Yeah. I feel like as you know, we all have come from shop bike shops and we all ride bikes in different capacities. It's really easy to look at from our own lens that it's like everyone wants this kind of glamorized view that you have this, you know, this beautiful performance bike and you have this coordinated kit and the latest everything. And that's just not the case for most people, but that's, that's okay. That's great. I think seeing bikes for what they are, like you said, I think is a great tool for freedom for utility and, Ultimately, if those people are choosing a bike over a car or it gives them just more 
mobility in general, you know, that's Agreed. pretty cool. Especially if it's and, kids. You know, I've been going to these, well, yeah, well, matching kids will never go away, but the, the, yeah, I've been going to these bicycle leadership conferences for a number of years and, and especially they'll, they'll commonly bring in somebody who's like job title is futurist. Uh, and, and so they, you know, for several years, it's been things like, um, a younger generation doesn't identify themselves with a single activity. So they might ride a bike, but they're not a cyclist. Well, that was perfectly clear. You know, that yeah. the, the, the bike was a way to get from one place to the other with this other, with either your friends or the other things. And then the other, you know, kind of common trend would be like usability. You know, I'm willing to pay more for something if it's, if it's, you know, really functional and I can get a lot of value out of it and sharing. And so I think those things all came together with this, like the people, the kids I saw riding, I mean, they weren't like the the BMX kids. They weren't like, it's not that I got the impression they were super into bikes, but their bike was a tool. And the number one bike that I saw was this, like, um, I think it's called the Rad Rover by a company called Rad Power Bikes, which has been this like emerging and, and, and to some extent, like quietly emerging direct consumer brand. Mm-hmm. that just seems to have really nailed what the market wants. And it's these you know, small 20 inch fat tire wheels, step through frame, electric assist with a throttle, um, like integrated carrying capacity. Plus you can add extra racks onto it. Uh, it's, I mean, they were just everywhere. Yeah. I think we've talked about younger people. I, I think they're, this is oversimplifying it, but I think they're almost kind of an easy mark. I think it's really easy to share, like communicate the benefits of these bikes and what they can do, how easy they are to use to get around town and hang out with your friends or whatever. But I think with bikes having the widest audience I've had in a long time, I'm curious to hear like how the industry and how bike shops are addressing reaching out to an older crowd or maybe some people that do have mobility challenges that these bikes can really benefit. Are you seeing anything in particular? Well, what, I mean, a couple of retailers said is that that like the the primary bikes that they're going to stock e-bikes are are, are just like step through bikes uh, because like they're, they're just for everybody to not have to like throw a leg over a high top tube. And so definitely, I think that's what kind of came through in some terms of some of the stocking choices. But whereas like we had, a, I had a number of customer conversations around customer acquisition moving forward. There weren't a lot of conversations around like, what am I doing right now to nurture a certain type of business? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's some of that, just like people are still in somewhat reactive mode, but, but people were starting to look forward to like, what am I going to do? And so I think that's kind of an opportunity for us is to like help with the messaging component of mm-hmm. you know, if it's true that e-bikes are a gateway into, into two wheels for everybody, um, it, you know, how do we help retailers, you know, get that messaging out in a way that's effective? Um, and so I, I think it'll be fun, fun for our team to take that on. Mm-hmm. And you feel like I they're think- thinking there's a, there's longer term thinking in that as well. You know, how do we, cause you, we talked about them being a little concerned over, is this a boom? Is this, should I be all in? But, but in that, same vein is there thought about how do we invest in that newness, that new market or that new, whatever is, is a chance to grow our own business down the road. Well, I saw a lot of investment generally, like, um, 
I don't think money is being hoarded right now. I think it's spent in ways to like improve capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, the investments I heard about moving forward, if if the retailer wasn't looking at additional locations, so that was that was that came up a lot. Um, it also came up a lot of, hey, would it be wiser for me to start a new location or just invest more in my website? And that's obviously a, a strategic choice. Um, and then Google Google shopping ads was the number one thing. So. Hmm. Um, it, w- it was how do I how do I solidify my position, you know, kind of in my market area, and people would just come right out and ask me, "Hey, tell me about Google Shopping," which didn't really happen before. It was usually something that we had to mm. kind of introduce, but now it seems like more retailers are just aware that it's something that they should be considering. But you're That's also but there's also it, it. I'm sorry, Susie, but it was also a broader. They're investing both physically. They're making decisions on is there digital investment to be made. That that sounds great that there's that broad of a thought um, going forward with this opportunity that COVID accidentally gave us. Yeah. Well, I think as a, I mean, business owners like sales growth. And, you know, there was just this tremendous gift that was given to bike shops in the last year that they earned. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. It wasn't, but, but, um, you know, when you see that kind of growth, you know, you've got to ask yourself, well, how do I keep that momentum going? And and, I, and everybody was asking themselves that to some extent. Cool. Mm-hmm. You know, Susie, we talked a lot about like uh, email marketing. So like, yeah. you know, just loyalty because, you know, everything was just happening so fast that you sold the bike and then you moved on to the next bike sale. And... So what are you going to do to kind of keep entering those customers? So, I mean, you've had a ton of experience with email marketing and, you know, so what would you tell somebody today who was kind of asking, you know, what should I do for my email? There's a few different things. I, I mean, I do love the use of retail toolkit for kind of reaching out to people post-purchase. I think it's really powerful for that. Um, I know a lot of retailers and retailers that I were was working with through kind of COVID is we did have to pause a lot of those emails just because they, you know, reference things like events and rides. Um, so there's a catch up period, I think for everybody, even people that were using more technology to reach people automatically. Um, but I think a lot of us can really, well, a lot of retailers could utilize that data that they have in their POS system, pull some email lists. You can keep it pretty general and broad, maybe just people that bought a bike, but not accessories between this set of dates. If you feel like there's a, a, a time period that you could nail down that you really miss people um, or weren't able to engage with them or feel safe to engage with them um, and just make some polite suggestions, you know, get stay top of mind, even if it's just like, hey, how's it going? It just you can keep it really casual. It doesn't have to be like, hey, did you see this cool new helmet? Just reassure that the one that you're an expert in what you do, you are going to be their resource for whatever they need for bikes. They have a anything from gear to comfort questions. So where to ride. Um there's lots of different types of approaches. So you can either, you know, go direct to ask for the sale, but also just kind of reassure that they're there. You're you're there for them and you want them to love their bike. Why else are we in this industry? And I like that balance too, because I, I don't think you should be afraid to ask for the sale. Like, like you know that, a, you know, the ability to repair a flat tire, you know, a, a way you know, on a ride is going to improve the riding experience or a comfortable, breathable helmet. 
Um, but you're right. It's also about, I think the thing that differentiates a bike shop, aside from like the immediacy of it, like the thing I want is right here. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's in your community. And of all these like different types of shops that I saw, like what doesn't change is like they're in a neighborhood and somebody walks through the door and and there's somebody they can talk to that un, that knows the neighborhood. And, and um, so just really you know, using the email marketing to establish a relationship. I think that's, yeah, that really, you know, is closer to what you were saying. Yeah. And especially like, I think, you know, now I think things are, are better, obviously. Um, there's a lot still up in the air, but I think while we really were stuck at home more, we couldn't just walk into a shop, um, whether we were able to or, or felt comfortable, I think is they kind of line up together, but this was just the best way to reach people. And I, I also don't think that we're going to go back. It's not just it, a flip wasn't switched when our towns and cities opened back up. So, you know, and, and what was that again? A flip wasn't switched. <laughs> yeah, that's I what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> switches flipping, whatever. A flip wasn't switched. Yeah, it yeah. was there. The flip was not switched. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, I agree. I think you know, there's certain things that just aren't going to like. There's just I like to avoid all or nothing thinking. And so it's not that you can say like, well, all customers won't want to go back to physical retail or all customers can't wait to go back to kind of normal. Like if there's just going to be this wide spectrum mm-hmm. and yeah. And what the shop has is something that is like, just the, the internet can't replace the relationship and the neighborhood knowledge. I think when like, when we think about local, sometimes it can kind of be like, well, in this city or, you know, in this region, but it comes down to like, you know, what's the mile around your store? And do you know where the, where the, the steepest hills are or the safest roads to ride? Like the internet cannot replace that. Um, while also acknowledging there's this huge percentage of people that now just want the convenience of, you know, buy online. And I think the great gift for, bike shops right now is, is that the trend has been so much buy online for in-store pickup and like that is, you know, the number one area of growth for, you know, targets and Walmarts of the world. Um, but also it's, I think it's almost three quarters of all orders on smart detailing mm-hmm. and that's perfect because you've offered customers the convenience and they came in your store. And so I really hope that, you know, shops embrace that and nurture the business and not, you know, yeah. we were, we we're exiting this year where there was just so much demand. You didn't have to be intentional about it. And, and I saw all this talk about email marketing and Google shopping, and it, mm-hmm. it seems like people's heads are more going towards that. How do I keep it going? Yeah, I think I really good, but you know, you brought up, you know, I think Amazon and Walmart, I think another really good use for loyalty marketing is selling yourselves. Walmart and whomever, they're not, they're not marketing their culture and who they are and why they care about you. I mean, maybe a little bit, but, Ah. (laughs) you know, but I think there's such a great aspect of your local shop as to who they are, you know, introduce Kelly who loves mountain biking. She loves this trail. She loves this bike for this reason. You know, I think that's really good information to put in an email, let people like connect with you. Um, then they know when they come in, I, I'm a mountain biker or I'm a, I'm a, a woman and I want to get into mountain biking. I'd love to talk to another woman, things like that. 
I think from a, like a culture standpoint, I, I won't give any names, but there was one shop I visited that was just like a pure delight. Uh, like I, I showed up in the evening after their group ride was finishing and it was to see the like, group ride roll in and everybody settle in and really get that sense that this was just like, so it was a family run business, you know, husband, wife, son running it and a great lifestyle shop. They had a back patio, it was super cool, but the group ride was extended family. I mean, it it was, I haven't seen anything like that in a long time. And it's, gosh, that's just irreplaceable. Um, yeah, that's yeah cool. I, I saw that note in your article and I was so curious, like what stood out? It sounded like the staff seemed happy and eager and it was one of the best, not bad, like, well staffed. <laughs> they weren't the best mm-hmm. staff. Maybe they were. I don't know. Ah, no, they were. They were pretty great. <laughs> Who am I to judge? Yeah. You know the thing that if I if, so a the 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 family itself was just amazing. Like just just great character. Um, you could tell they're like. Thought, you could tell they're doing just, it because they loved it. Like exactly. Yeah, and and not because they're lifelong cyclists. I mean, this is a second career for them, and they and and they thought. They wanted to get into a business that where they were delivering joy to people and, and that's what they're doing. But I thought the, one of the things that really stood out is when they came into it, they just asked themselves, well, what, what don't I like as a customer or what do I like as a customer? And then they just came up with these fresh eyes and they just established those things as their customer service policy. And so one that is, that sounds so simple, but it's so impactful is, is that you never, start the closing process if there's a customer in the store. So you don't start counting down the drawer. You don't start turning off signs or sweeping because as a consumer, you, you see that. And then you think you're, you're imposing. And obviously that's a hard choice for some shops, but I can absolutely see where that would just delight customers. Um, They even go so far as to say, you can't lock the door after the last customer leaves. Like you have to stand outside and wave them off and then make sure they're around the corner. And then you can, and I just thought that's just like so much going above and beyond. They've got a, a really bright future if they keep that up. That's outstanding. What about um, as we wrap it up? What about just general travel? Because I, you know, I've recently traveled. It's not the same as it was before. What did you see in terms of getting to the airports, through the airports, you know, travel from the destination to the stores, that kind of thing? The Airports were fine. I thought mask compliance was really high. I never, I didn't see any of those kind of encounters that you read about in the news. Um, I, I felt relatively safe, although I still obsessively washed my hands and, and I did double mask. But um, this rental cars are super expensive right now. So they all sold their fleets off and now they don't have any. So that's insane. Hotels, I think we're handling it super well. Um, it, you know, it's, you know, there's all this talk about like handshakes going away. I'm going to have a really hard time with that. Like I really, like a fist bump is super cool. High fives. I'm not a big fan, but, um, nothing replaces a handshake for me. So that being said, I was really glad to do this test. I felt okay. But as a point in time snapshot, you know, I've got one, one trade show scheduled in a month or so, but I'm probably not going to travel for a while just because. I tested the waters. It was good. And I want to wait and see how the public health situation evolves a little bit more. This, this, this variant and how it impacts vaccinated people, 
Um, and then, you know, still the high number of unvaccinated people. I, I still want to be a part of the solution and not the problem and protect myself and my family. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a mixed bag, I guess, Mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's definitely I mean, an improvement. Yes. Yeah. Oh, big time. Yeah. Um, was, uh, was Corey happy to have the house to herself? <laughs> um, I don't know if she would say that. I, if, if, we're, if, yeah, if we're being honest, I think when I'm here, she likes me away. And when I'm away, she likes me here. <laughs> I can, I think we, we all, we're all married and live with a partner. So I, uh, yeah, I get that. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, can you leave yeah. me alone? You're like, oh, I'm alone now. Like, <laughs> 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 who am I going to talk to? Clementine, <laughs> hear about my work problems. Exactly. Oh, yeah, dogs. Yeah, that was, she has your, a very that was your first with our pets. That was your first time away from your new puppy, right? Yeah. Well, I had taken one family trip to go visit my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, and she's now, yeah, she was delighted to see me. It was fantastic. So yeah. She's just got the best personality. Good. Well, this has been, it's been good. It's been great to hear what's going on, you know, the parts we don't always get to see. So, you know, I know you get to travel and you enjoy it, but thanks for doing that because it does help us bring that back and, and share it with our team too. Well, um, I love the energy. I mean, I think, I mean, you know, you know how I feel about our company. Like it, there's plenty of software companies out there where a client is just a subscriber and for us, like this is a relationship company and like being able to know, know our customers and see them face to face. And we happen to provide them a service. Uh, uh, I think that's one of the things that makes us different. So agreed. Yeah. I look forward to doing more. Good. Us too. We look forward to hearing more and listening more about stories and catching up and we'll do that again soon and see what comes up next. Thanks y'all. Awesome. Thank Thanks. you both.